Hi there, I'm Mariah Parsons, your host of Retention Chronicles. E-commerce brands are starting to shift their strategy to focus on retention and the customer experience. And so we've decided to reach out to top DTC brands and dive deeper into their tactics and challenges. But here's the thing, we love going on tangents. And so with our guests, you'll often find us talking about the latest trends as well as any and all things in the Shopify ecosystem. So go ahead and start that workout or go on that walk and tune in as we chat with the leading minds in the space. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our other episodes at gomalomo.com. Hello everyone, it's Mariah here. Before we dive into this week's episode, I just wanted to share that we are officially announcing our hosting of our very first ever live podcast. It's going to be with some of the top players in the Shopify ecosystem. I couldn't be more excited for it. It's free, it's virtual. It's on September 7th at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We'll be hearing from the Assistant Director of Customer Experience at Brewmate, the Director of Ecom at Rocka Chocolates, Director of Customer Experience at Muggsy Jeans and more. So if you want to join us, head to gomalomo.com to get your name on the list or click on the link in this episode's bio. That's gomalomo, G-O-M-A-L-O-M-O.com. Now let's roll with the show. Alrighty. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Retention Chronicles. Super, super excited for our guest here today coming in from Austin, Texas. Eric, hello. So happy to have you here. What is going on? <laughs> Nothing much. It's been a great Thursday so far. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Malomo has a four-day work week. So you're actually the last person that I get to cap off my week with, which is always fun. Oh, nice. So you're just thinking about, you know, having a nice glass of, uh, margarita or something yeah all everything everything um (laughs) yeah no it's a beautiful day too i'm going to hot yoga later so i'm super excited for it um yeah how's your day been so far i know we were just talking about it but for the listeners can you share yeah so uh i mean a couple things i put on a small um meetup once a month called cuts and capitalism it's kind of like Mm -hmm. a provide private invite only event of uh, e-com people and um entrepreneurs who I admire. So we had that this morning uh, over at our, our, our barber shop. And then um, we had a kind of a unique offer for our customers today as well. So it's been a pretty good sales day, which has been hard to come by lately. So it's been a, a nice Thursday. Yeah, I love that. Um, way, good way to kick off the morning, I'm sure. Uh, our CEO does a similar, um, sounds similar from outside looking in, um, talking with our customers like once a month, just getting like kind of the lowdown on what people are seeing in e-commerce. Um, but before we dive into the promo that you all ran today, uh, can you give us your background? Tell us a little bit about why you're sitting in the seat that you are currently. I think that would be some, um, that would provide some great context for our listeners. Yeah. So my name's Eric Van Holtz. I'm the founder of Beard Brand. Beard Brand is a men's grooming company that sells products, uh, obviously for your beard, but we've grown <laughs> beyond the beard over the years. So we have hair care products, we have skincare products, soaps, deodorants, colognes. If you're a dude, I've got a product for you. So I don't care if you have a beard or not beard. That's like the worst excuse I hear. Um, <laughs> but, 
but we've been bootstrapped. So we've been doing this for 11 years now. Uh, started primarily through our organic channels like YouTube, uh, blogging, and uh, we've done a bit of paid on and off over the years and um, grown organically. In addition to that, I have my own podcast called E-Commerce Conversations, where uh, I talk with other e-com operators and tend to like, uh, I, I tend to stay away from more of the kind of like business stuff and talk more mm -hmm. about like the, the life of being an entrepreneur and, you know, those elements that a lot of people don't talk about to, to find balance and try to build like sustainability in your business. I think there's, this is a little bit of a rant, but I think there's no, too, I much love it. A, too much of an emphasis on, you know, like the exit or growth mm. for the sake of growth. And we lose reflection of, of being able to spend time with our kids and watching them grow older and, um, you know, building strong relationships with your, your loved ones, your partners, your spouse, uh, which can be very challenging uh, with the, uh, the swings of a business, uh, especially if things are not going well in the business. So, um, you know, trying to help, help listeners remember that, you know, remember the why behind why we work, uh, you know, the, at a certain point when you find enough success, I think uh, it behooves most people to to understand why they're working. Mm -hmm. um, and for some, it is, you know, that that money scorecard and they got to win. Uh, but for many others, uh, that's not the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's not much of a tangent at all. Honestly, we get into that a lot on this podcast. Um, I think it comes from just our team dynamic here at Malomo. It's very similar in terms of like always trying to be grateful and aware of why we work, how we're balancing work and, um, our life outside of there enough. And I was just telling you, we have a four day work week here. And part of the reason that we have that four day work week is so that, um, my coworkers who have families, I don't have any children myself. Um, but so that they can find that balance and then, you know, they get to use that Friday to either have a flex day or, um, find some of that time with their kids, you know, during summer while school's out, whatever, however you want to use the day. Yeah. Um, to do that. And I, I talked to a lot of founders about kind of how they've had that balance, especially in the earlier days of the podcast. Um, and our CEO talks about it pretty openly of like the struggles of trying to lean on your significant other for support or how to try and balance the two, but also how to, you know, categorize the two. Cause you don't want, you know, like his, um, one of his things that I feel like I've learned from joining Malomo has been the, you'll never have like two, two separate lives, right? Like one will always bleed into the other. And so whether or not it's, you know, you're bringing work home or you're bringing home to work, you want to try and obviously have both of those, um, parts of you be the best that they can be. So I, I love hearing about, um, yeah, kind of maybe less so, of the business. <laughs> it, well, it, so it, it, the important thing is like, I, I, I like to remind listeners that there is no right or wrong way to build a business, you know, and, mm -hmm. and different businesses have different purposes and, and different reasons for existing. So there is no one blueprint as much as, you know, like beginners may be searching for that perfect business blueprint. Um, you do have trade-offs, like um, when you don't grow as fast, you don't grow as fast. And if you have investors or outside partners or, you know, debt obligations or inventory you got to move through, like those are the consequences of uh, the, the growth. Um, so, 
you know, it's, it's kind of understanding that and, you know, recognizing the advantages and recognizing the, the disadvantages that, that come along with it as well, because, you know, it's fun to talk about growth. It's fun to talk about, you know, how we had our best year ever and we made, you know, millions of dollars more this year than last year. And, you know, look at us, we're so rapidly growing. Nice and shiny. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And not a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I got divorced and, you know, my kids don't talk to me. And, um, I've gotten really fat and unhealthy and I've got a bunch of medical bills. Like no one's going around preaching about that. Uh, yeah. So it's give and it's, take. Uh, yeah. <laughs> energy. Yeah. Energy. What is, oh God, I took physics, but it's like energy flows, right? It never goes away. It just flows to some other state. Um, yeah, big believer in that personally. Okay, so can I'm sure um any of our listeners who are familiar with you might know your founding story, but for those who aren't, could you give us a synopsis of how you started Beer Brand, how you kind of got there? Yeah, so I used to be a financial advisor at a mega bank and I hate hated working there. I, I quit working there, I grew up my beard and uh, started like a design business and in doing so going to networking events. Uh, people will call me Grizzly Adams or Duck Dynasty and mm. ZZ Top. And those are cool dudes, uh, but they're also not me. Like I'm a, a little more urban in nature, a little more city oriented. Uh, I got some really soft hands. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, uh, I ended up attending this uh, event with other bearded guys. And I realized there's this community of people who didn't fit the traditional stereotype of a, a bearded guy. Now, this is way back in 2012. So like, the founding story is is really kind of uh, uh, dated now, but um, because nowadays anyone can have a beard, anyone grows a beard and, you know, people of all walks of life have beards. But, you know, 11, 12 years ago, that was not the case where if you were more white collar, if you're a lawyer, a doctor, uh, entrepreneur, businessman, salesperson, you were not allowed to wear wasn't facial typical. hair. Yeah. You know, Disney had it banned, UPS had it banned. Uh, a lot of uh, policies were against having facial hair. So. A lot of that's changed, and and I would like to think that Beard Brand had a big part in that through our YouTube channel or and, and our blog and our content and helping guys feel comfortable, you know, growing their beards if they want to grow their beards, but also not, um, you know, talking down to them if they chose not to grow a beard. So we respect uh, a man's right to grow his beard as much as it is to to shave off his beard, and and really what we want is the guy looking back at him in the mirror to to love that person. And uh, we believe that when he has that love for himself, that he becomes mm -hmm. a better partner, a better father, a better you know, team member, a better leader in the community. And ultimately, through self-improvement, we're going to make the world a better place rather than through uh, this kind of top-down strategy of, of, of force and trying to, to, to will people into certain ways. Yeah, I love that aspect of it. I feel like there's just in today's day and age, not enough of like, you want to do something for yourself and so like out of self-love and self-improvement. So I love that, that, um, you know, even from 2020 or 2012, it sounds like, uh, was part of your foundation as a brand. Um, and I, I feel like I remember, I can't remember the year exactly, but when I was first like introduced to, um, beard brand and I have like a younger brother. So, I think it was just popping up from like organic and honestly something that was trending. And it was really cool. Cause I was like, I remember, um, the first time being introduced and being like, Oh, like, I feel like my younger brother should see this. Like that would probably be a really good, you know, like a really good 
learning moment for him. You know, when you're in the, in your earlier days, when you know he was, I think hitting puberty puberty at the time, and it was like I that's what I hope. You know, we're trending towards that area, which is really cool to see now, sitting here years later, getting to chat with you. Yeah, um, it's uh, it, you know, it's really interesting uh, to to talk about it because I do believe that men and especially young men um, are getting a lot of mixed messages mm-hmm. with like how to be. You know, there's there's almost this polarization of this fight between like hyper masculinity and all those like really. Um, traditional roles and then you know like the kind of like the i don't know if it's gen z or just like the young people today and just kind of like you know pronouns and like gender fluidity and nothing's binary and and just like this battle where where men don't know where to fall in line and and you know we take it from a perspective that we're not really telling you there's one way or the other Mm -hmm. what we're telling you is like you have to evaluate yourself and look at yourself and 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 understand yourself and then think about like, how do I become a better version of myself? How do I, you can see my flag over there, keep on growing. That's our tagline. So how do I keep on growing and become a better version of myself? Whatever that version may be, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not about fitting into certain kind of societal norms. It's about finding your own pathway and finding out uh, what works best for you. Because the reality is, you know, uh, the, the smallest minority in the world is the individual and very few people aim to protect the individual. Uh, so we're, we're big believers in the individual. And um, when you have individuals, you have so much diversity and variety and um, uniqueness that you aren't going to get by trying to categorize everyone into like, this is a, you know, this type of person, this is this type of person, you guys should fight. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's all kind of kind of silly, but it is to a certain degree the the world we live in. Yeah, it's something about human human nature. You want to try and make sense of it all, but that's a fallacy. You'll never be able to, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's awesome. And the fact that you all can give the tools to someone that if they look in the mirror and they say like, "Oh, this is something I even like," I'm not even sure, but I want to experiment in. And you know, if you don't have someone else in your life who maybe could teach you that role for you all to step in and be like, "Okay, here's this YouTube video who, that like shows you." how to do X, Y, and Z, or like the products that you should use if you're trying to achieve this look or that look, whatever, right? Like it's just the enablement and it's not the, you know, the acceptance of like, this is the only way um, that you can do something, but it's just, if you choose to do so, then here's something that might help you. And I think that's something that as brands, especially in the like D2C space, I see that more and more where education, like education first, um, and I think I like as a consumer, as a person, as a whole, I admire that, um, that approach rather than the sales pitch, perhaps. Well, I'll tell first. you it, life, life that way is a lot harder mm-hmm. um, because, you know, a lot of this kind of goes back to uh, my experiences. Uh, I went to public school in South Carolina and it was just like, take these tests, get A's and B's. You'll do good. You go on to college you know, pick a major that you think you enjoy, get good grades, you'll get a job, do what the boss says, do a good job. You'll make a lot of money. You'll be happy or retire. And, you know, it was this whole expectation of just like, come in and do as you're told and life will be great. And me personally, I always struggled because I I didn't feel like I was one of those people who could just do what I was told and, Mm -hmm. and enjoy it. I know there's a lot of people out there who who thrive in that type of environment. Um, 
and there's some safety in that. And it's like, okay, if I just follow to the the experts or the the leaders or the authorities and in society, then I'll be safe and okay. And and um, so I think a lot of people are drawn to that comfort. But when you realize that you have the the, the true free will to do whatever you want in the life and and build whatever you want in life and you know, from my perspective as a, a founder of a company that focuses on um, serving men, like I have an ability to kind of shape the way that society thinks about facial hair and mm-hmm. it shapes the way that society thinks about men and how men can think. And, and I don't have to play these games. I can create my own pathway. That to me is the the beauty of entrepreneurship and, um, you know, really being an individual and understanding that you know, going back to business is like, how do I build a business? What's the blueprint for a business? It's like, well, you could follow what they tell you in college, you know, mm-hmm. write out your business plan and you go get a loan, you go, you know, do whatever yeah. the heck they tell you. Your you audience, your and, target audience. Yeah. All yeah, the yeah. ICP. Everything. Yeah. Do your market <laughs> research. And da, da, yep, da, da, yep. and, or it's like, you know, there's so many different ways of doing it. It's like, do I, I want to raise money? Do I not want to raise money? Like, do I want to grow to you know, hundred million dollars. Do I want to grow to a million dollars? Do I want to grow to $500,000 and have no employees and, you know, do what I love, you know, like there's so many different ways of doing it that if you just go in and you follow this blueprint, you may be following and building something that you hate that you Mm -hmm. find miserable. Like, you know, reporting to investors could be like drudgery for you, or it could be brilliant. You know, you may love raising money and that experience. So, um, take that time to like journal and figure out what you love about life and the things that you love and build a business that is conducive to that. Because when you do that, you're going to be able to do it for, I mean, I've done it for a decade and knock on wood. If, uh, if I can, <laughs> I'll do it for another decade and, yeah. and another. Um, and I think like, that's one of the, the, the keys to entrepreneurship that nobody talks about is like, how do we build a sustainable business? Not in the, sense that you know it's profitable or making money or in the sense that it's good for the environment and and whatever but sustainable in the sense that you enjoy working on the business for long periods of time and that the problems that you face in business are are worthy problems of you wanting to to fight and solve those problems Mm, yeah i love that okay so i'm going to continue this is because i it's i i love hearing about this so much and my, the question that was coming to mind was, so you, I, you don't have investors or those people that you have to answer to that you built, you strategically built, uh, your company that way. And so I want to dive into that. And I also want to dive into how do you then like from this team belief, how do you make sure that like trickle down effect, all the other people who are working at beard brand also believe on that. Like, how do you get team mentality? Um, I would love to hear your, your thoughts on like how you kind of keep that morale, keep everyone on the same page. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like the, the way we're building the business because it is, you know, closer to a lifestyle business, you don't have that necessary need to hire really quickly. And because of that, you know, we're, we're making one or two hires a year, we can hire really slow and, and make sure we have the right people. And then if they're not the right fit, um, we can let them go. So the, the team's pretty small, like 10 people. Uh, and when you have 10 people, it, it's pretty easy to see who fits into that and who doesn't fit into that. But beyond that, in terms of like the organizational structure, we do have core values, which are freedom, hunger, and trust. And those are integrated into 
you know, how we make decisions. They're integrated into the, the hiring process at Beard Brand. Uh, so, so people live it and know it every single day. Um, and it's kind of how we make decisions with, uh, you know, just, um, the vendors we choose, or if we have a situation with a customer, um, and then, um, you know, we talk about the mission and, and, you know, what we're trying to do in terms of helping men love the person looking back at them in the mirror and how our products, uh, can, can serve that and how we can, uh, support and uh, level up our customers. So um, we've certainly had challenges. I think the, the hardest thing that, that or one of the, the challenges to the business was in hiring in the early years. And uh, you, we got, it was a blessing and the curse. Like the first person we hired, we just posted on Craigslist. And, you know, it was like a $12 an hour employee at the time, just kind of like an assistant. And this person was great. You know, mm, like they're wow. just like, uh, would take on any work, you know, was hungry to learn, represented our core values. And we're like, oh, you know, this hiring is easy. So like we never had, because we hired a, an excellent person on the first hire, we, we didn't really have this need to improve our processes. And then we went through like a, a series of just like bad hiring processes until mm. we finally um, implemented, a, we, we call it like a top grading uh, hiring process. So if you Google top grading, you know, we've tweaked it to our own needs, but basically you're asking for references and doing, um, um, you know, kind of like third party, third party perspective questions. Like, what is your boss going to say when we ask them how you work? And then we uh, go and we do a reference check and we, we kind of verify that's what they would say or not say. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I see how close it <laughs> so is. So <laughs> it's kind of like, a, you know, it's a way to, to like weed out kind of like the, the C see and below players because they're not going to have good warm references and um you know then from there it's just kind of finding like you can have an a player that doesn't fit your culture um and those are really frustrating because you have to to let someone go who is incredibly talented but you know like we we have a very little management and instructional organization so the the people who thrive at beard brand do really well with and the aguity and like uncertainty and, and being able to find their own problems. So some people love that environment and some people like more concrete, like show me what to do and, and I'll do a good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It goes back towards like knowing yourself. I feel like, like looking in the mirror and being like, okay, this is what I know. This is the type of environment I know will suit me. Um, and just being able to have that match, like on both levels from the company. And then obviously the person, which it sounds like you, you all have been fortunate to find those people. So I think that's awesome. Um, okay. So I want to move us into a little bit more of the business chat, um, just to find out like some techniques that I know that's not what you focus on in your podcast. So I'm, I'm hopeful that you're excited to kind of get into the weeds of it. Um, I think a great note to start on would be talking about the promotion that you all ran today. I have a question that I was going to ask you anyways, which was what are your favorite marketing campaigns that you've ever run? So I'm curious to see if today marks the day, what learnings you had, all that fun stuff. Yeah. So the, the promotion we ran today was, uh, um, you know, long story short, we rebranded our, our products into aluminum packaging to be uh, more sustainable. And uh, we had some old stock that we didn't sell through that that we rediscovered. Um, so we we offered that to our customers at a reduced price and kind of some of a, uh, 
we had we used to have six fragrances and we went down to three fragrances so like some people who mm. really love the old fragrances legit could not buy them anymore and you know this was a chance to buy them one last time so it's not you know it's not something that i want to duplicate you know like changing my packaging all, all over again and have extra stock and then mm. you know sell them at a reduced price so um but it is nice to know that there's there's inventory that we're going to be able to to uh, unload and uh, free up a little bit. So um, we don't have to to throw all that inventory away, you know, in a number of years or or whatever it is when they they start to go bad. But um, so that's uh, that's today's promotion, which is probably not very duplicable. Um, but in terms of you know the ones that are my favorite, um, I'm a creative person, and and we'll we'll do collaborations and and unique fragrances from time to time with the various people uh, we did one with like chris daughtry who's a, mm, a musician yeah. uh love daughtry. With... love daughtry grew up yeah. on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's we so did, fun uh, uh we did one with uh, a youtuber jeremy sires and he uh he's got a nice audience and and so that was a good co- collaboration and then we've done just some where it's like i got inspiration from um, you know, like something from my childhood, like going down to the beach and the smells of the beach and um, being able to to bottle that and tell a story around that is a lot of fun. So being able to do these like limited edition uh, products is a lot of fun. I, I know not, I don't know, probably every company could probably do some kind of limited edition if it's, a, you know, like a special packaging or, you know, like a different kind of, like if you're making uh, wallets, it's a different kind of leather or, you know, whatever it may mm-hmm. be. Uh, I think there's usually ways of doing it. I know like it can, if you do it too frequently, then it it no longer becomes special. So there's always that balance. And and I don't know that right answer. Um, And not of them, you know, like there's also like understanding, like what is that supply and demand and, you know, how quickly do you want to sell out? Do you want to sell out in two days or do you want to sell out in a quarter, you know, and like, you know, what kind of urgency do you want to create? So there's a lot of strategy in that, that I wish I knew the answers, uh, even after doing them, but, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, probably some of it is kind of, you don't know what the answers are. It's like excitement, right? Like you get to do this new thing and learn from another launch that you're doing. Um, so do you, do you do any like pre-sale or anything beforehand or is it just like launch on the website day of every all the notifications are going out then or do you do some stuff beforehand no we do uh, so we try to drive um people to sign up to our sms for mm-hmm. early uh, early access so i think like we typically will launch at like 10 o'clock and then you know at seven o'clock if you're on the text list we'll, we'll text it out and that was that was really important when our strategy was like enough inventory to last a day or two um, because then you can really drive that uh, SMS uh, acquisition because it's like, hey, this is going to sell out two days. If you don't get the SMS, you're pretty much going to be gone. Um, So that was, uh, you know, we were trying to shoot for, I don't know, I I think it was like 2X or maybe 3X. The uh, amount of units that you had was kind of like the goal where I knew it'd be successful. Uh, and then, you know, in addition to the SMS acquisition, you want to acquire emails as well. So there was like a lot of lead up, a lot of hype. Um, the best, I think the best ones that we've done, 
um, were Black Sales and Bold Fortune. And Bold Fortune was with Jeremy and he's a YouTuber. So he was able to create some really cool mm. video assets that we could do as teasers beforehand. And uh, Black Sales was a nautical theme. So we kind of had like this pirate-esque uh, vibe to it and like this black and white video that we teased out. And um, I think it was really easy and clear uh, how we could describe the product. So um, yeah, the, the, those were a lot of fun uh, because it was a lot of creative. It's a lot of work for, you know, like when you compare it to one of your, your staples, you know, that right, sticks around. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of work compared to that, but I think it just like brings energy to your your business. It brings excitement to your business, and uh, I guess people like you know wanting to participate and and also not missing out on something that they may love. Yeah, I feel like a big part of that is kind of like the FOMO, right? Like if you have really loyal customers of, oh, like I want to subscribe, I want to sign up because of X Y Z because of all these limited edition um, offers it drives, you know, like, Oh, I want to, I want to be aware. I want to be in the know, like, and then we always talk about this, just being in the post post purchase space of like, where can you generate that excitement? Cause that's where brands stick, right? Like that's, that's the, the money. Um, that's where you're making those additional touches where someone's like, I'm truly like an advocate for this brand where it's like, they don't just have a good product, right? Like, I think everyone would agree that you need, you need a good product for someone to to be a repeat buyer. But then if you go that extra step and you can generate that excitement either before they have the product or while they're buying it, or even while they're waiting, or once they have it, like those additional touch points are very, very strong, um, very valuable, like to you and your team and to them as well. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, this is, I'm going to sound like I'm being a dead horse, but, um, <laughs> There, you have to hear no things right. a lot to make yeah, it stick. There's, there's, there's no right way or, or wrong way to, to, to build a business. The, the way we choose to build the business is we kind of think about what are the things that Amazon can do well mm. and what are the things that can't do well. And, you know, very specific advice and guidance um, is something that I don't think they can do well. So that's why we have style consultants and, you know, uh, a pleasant and nice unboxing experience. I think it's something they can't do well either. They just kind of throw stuff in with bubble wrap. It's sometimes crazy the way you get yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we want to try to compete in ways that Amazon can't compete and not try to compete with Amazon in terms of like getting stuff out in two days. Yes, we want to be quick, but we're not going to like spin all of our brain energy yeah. like, oh yeah, we got to have you know, 24 hour delivery, da, da, da. it's because like, and I imagine like, you're not going to sacrifice the things that you just said, like the unboxing experience for that two day shipping. Well, and not only that, I, like if people want that, they're just going to go to Amazon. They're not going <laughs> right, to take a yeah. risk on, you know, some kind of small independent brand, assuming that they have operations in line with Amazon. I mean, like, come on, like it, it, realistically, we're not going to be able to do that. We have to rely on, you know, third party parties, but a third party partners like USPS and DHL and FedEx to, to serve our customers. And, you know, like we can't make those guarantees. So um, I, I would encourage anyone, like if you are more customer oriented, then yes, you, you, you try to win them through that service and that experience. And you'll need a higher price point to justify those additional resources. But if you're very data oriented and almost kind of like a, just data oriented, then I would be much more inclined to be like an Amazon seller 
and focus on like the product, the features, uh, and the price point, and have a very lean team uh, with a lot less headaches, but a lot more efficiency. So your your margin, you know, ideally both businesses would be doing a similar net profit. It's just different ways of doing it and, and different kind of infrastructure for your back end of, of how your team is built out and how you allocate your resources. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about allocating resources, you all started off with just the, like you said, the skews around growing a beard and beard upkeep. So how did you start to expand then your product catalog? Like what was the process there? How did you decide where to go? Yeah. I mean, if we go back to the really early days, we, we didn't actually know what kind of company we wanted to be. Uh, mm-hmm. We've always been about, you know, the brand and the mission. Uh, we haven't been like a product first company. So we used to, we used to sell like suspenders and wallets and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, t-shirts and uh, all sorts of kind of like accessories to, to uh, accessorize the urban beardsman. Hell, I even sold uh, olive oil at one point, and some bracelets, you know, like, been all dabbling it all yeah 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 so it was through doing that we realized that our customers were drawn to the grooming products and and we decided to focus on that um you know we we i like to to be innovative with products i don't like to make products that kind of already exist on the marketplace so i'd like to do things a little bit differently we're really early uh, on the beard oil game Mm. which no one was really producing at that time so um, we weren't the first there, but but I would say we were the first to kind of make it more acceptable. We have a, a utility balm that you can use on your beard, on your face, uh, on your body. And that was a on your tattoos. That was a great product to kind of go beyond the beard. Uh, mm-hmm. And our utility balm, you know, was uh, a, a great performer for us. And then our sea salt spray is also like uh, been an incredible product for us. It's a hairstyling product that will give you a beachy texture. Uh, in your hair, uh, it can kind of act as a, um, what do they call it? A dry shampoo, even though it's mm-hmm. not dry, um, but it can help <laughs> in the days in between washes. And, and for a lot of guys who are experiencing like fine hair or thinning hair, it's a great styling product because it's not going to weigh your hair down. It's not going to give it that greasy thin look. It's going to give you uh, more volume kind of dry um, look to it. So um, that product's uh, does really well for us on Amazon and, and of course on our store as well. And, uh, yeah, you know, like it just kind of get inspiration, uh, for various products and, uh, trying to do things uh, differently. So we have a full line of utility products that are incredibly versatile or utility balm or utility bar, utility wash, utility softener, uh, utility oil. Um, all of these products can be used, uh, on multiple different, uh, ways, uh, and our customers really get an incredible value for that and, and are able to simplify, you know, their uh, their space in their house and also mm-hmm. routines the, as well. I'm sure. Yeah, their <laughs> routines and, and uh, you know, it's like one less bottle or, you know, sometimes like three less bottles in the shower. Um, but not only that, it's like it, I, I don't think anyone's been doing like premium kind of like luxury mm-hmm. um, products like the, the all in ones and the three in ones and stuff like that tend to to be produced by these like uh, brands that are sold in drugstores. You don't see a lot of premium companies uh, offering these products. So I feel like um, we have a unique offering in the marketplace to to really serve the needs of of guys who understand the value of looking good and the the value of, you know, simplicity and time. Yeah. Yeah. I love the 
I feel like that's like knowing your customers, right. And knowing the pain points that you could reduce as a brand is so helpful because you can say like, you know, you can reduce the space that, you know, your products are taking up, you can reduce your routine. Um, but you can also trust that the products are better compared to maybe the other things that are on the shelf that you're, um, looking at that are made by those bigger, those bigger brands that you probably wouldn't have as much affinity for, um, because of the, all of the, all of the things that we discussed earlier. So yeah. my, Good. yeah, go ahead. Uh- well, I was just going to say, like, the analogy I like to make is, like, we're selling, like, our, our products are the G-Wagons mm. of the automotive world. You know, like, if you really want the best that. solution, you buy a sports car, you know, you buy a Jeep Wrangler, you buy a minivan, you buy, like, but you, or you could just buy a G-Wagon that does <laughs> right. everything, like, really well, like, it's fast, it goes well off-road, it carries a bunch of people, it hauls your stuff around. And yes, it's not the fastest around the track. And yes, it's probably not the best off-roader. And yes, it's probably not the best people mover, but uh, it's really damn good at a lot of things. And it's not, we're not selling, you know, the Chevy uh, Equinox or whatever. We're selling the fucking G-Wagon of of Mm -hmm. products. So um, uh, that's kind of the analogy I like to use when, when, when thinking about our products. I could also see, like, I wonder if you would agree with this, like kind of like a timeless element. And I think that like speaks to your branding as well, kind of um, like through, through the, through the years, it'll still stay like relevant. And I think I might've even read something where it's on your website of like, not, not going with a fad. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, like it's, um, we, we did a rebrand, uh, I guess the beginning of last year when we switched to um, aluminum packaging and, and that was like our previous packaging we had for 10 years. So we're, we're thinking about like, just how do we do the next 10 years mm. and do it in a way that, you know, can be timeless. Uh, that isn't really chasing trends and, and kind of um, can be something people can count on for a long period of time. So a lot of those decisions, like I wanted to move towards this like cyberpunk kind of like, I mm-hmm. uh, think Cybertruck or DeLorean um, vibe uh, or Blade Runner, you know, like that kind of vibe. But I didn't want to bring that like kitschiness into the packaging. Like I didn't want to throw neon into the label right. and have like all the, the triangles and the sunsets because I feel like that would get data. Uh, but it's like the photography and the things like that, that we can integrate and tie into the, the packaging design is going to be like how we get there or how the, like maybe the websites design and we can kind of tweak and evolve the website as like online styles change and evolve and we can tweak and evolve the photography as well but you kind of do or we wanted to have packaging that we felt like could could stand for at least the next 10 years so um we'll see if that works or not yeah yeah we'll have to come back in 10 years yeah (laughs) we'll double check yeah that makes sense of not being wanting to put constraints on yourselves where they're perhaps maybe unnecessary um so you have these products. How do you take them to market is my next question for you. Like, what's your, what's your strategy? I know you said at the beginning of the episode, not really paid, paid ads aren't a huge portion. It's more organic. Yeah. I mean, at this point we're, we're 10 and 11 years old. So we have a a nice base of customers. So hopefully we're developing a product that um, will tie into our customers' lives and, and can kind of like bounce out a different product from a different company they're using. Um, so like a new deodorant or um, something um, that, that enhances their life. So we would start with our customers and our email marketing would, would kind of be our uh, original go-to. And then 
um, you know, it's kind of like that constant reminder uh, of what the product is doing. We do a lot of uh, affiliate marketing. Uh, so we do uh, PR outreach and we'll, we'll try to work with like Forbes and GQ and Men's Health and get them the products uh, and try to develop links. Uh, SEO has been a big part of us. So we do a lot of blog content, education, and then of course our uh, YouTube channel or TikToks or shorts will create content around the products, how to use the products and educate people about the products. Uh, so we lean on to that. And then, you know, this year we are trying to, to get into paid. I, I do feel like there's still opportunity in there if we can do it well. Uh, we just historically haven't been very good at it. So, uh, you know, we'll try again on year number 11. We'll see if it works or not. But <laughs> yeah. I, I do think like, you know, paid marketing, Facebook, Instagram is a great way of uh, um, acquiring new customers. It's, uh, it just takes a, a lot of work. Um, and a lot of talent, I think, to be successful at it. Yeah, you kind of have to crack the code, I feel like, with um, with our organic. And even I, I like just from this podcast alone, the strat- the difference in strategies that I've seen that every every person takes is interesting. Because, and I don't think you know, there's not one strategy. It's not like you. I feel like SEO right. is kind of, and of course, there's you can never make a generalization for anything. I'm a true believer in that, but SEO, I think is way more nowadays, way more like science data-based than perhaps like social. We haven't gotten to that point. I think where there's as much, um, behind it, like you have to, or at least the, the knowledge of that isn't as, um, widely shared. Like, I think there's a, there's all that work behind algorithms and whatnot, but I don't think it's the knowledge of that is as it doesn't touch as many as perhaps SEO could. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know if I would even recommend building an SEO strategy now with like AI coming out and people just <laughs> yeah, like all the privacy. of Yeah. So I don't know like how, how you make sure that your products end up in the AI answers and, and like, how do you rank for that? It'd be like, That's a good Hey, question. what are the best, yeah. you know, what are the best beard oils, uh, Google Bard? And then, like, how do I get number one? Like, and yeah. are people going to trust that or are they not going to trust that? Like, so those are kind of like the interesting things that, you know, make business interesting is because it's always changing and you always have to adapt to it. And if you're not willing to adapt, you will eventually fall. Um, so it, it goes back to, again, early in the conversation, like, how do you have that energy and passion to, to solve the problems? Because the problems never end. They absolutely yeah. never end. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, there's always going to be something new. And now I feel like currently as we're recording this, it's AI, um, (laughs) which is always fun. And yeah, towards that same conversation as well, just with TikTok and now they're, um, trending towards more of being like a search engine. Right. So it's like with SEO and Google and everything we've known for the past X amount of years, that also is changing at the same time that, you know, now a, uh, search engine and a social media platform are one of the same. Um, and quite popular. So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see, of course, where everything goes. Um, and I also wanted to talk about the, so with social for the organic pieces that you're making with YouTube, because it, you started so early in the brand, do you feel like that's led to an increase of interest? Like just kind of like a compounding effect through the years with your customers. Like if you, I guess my question is if you hadn't had that approach with the organic education first, do you think your, your experience right now or where your, um, your strategy is going right now would look different if you didn't have like 
that piece? Yeah, I mean, so kind of like the, the beard brain way is ideally we we give value first and then, you know, hope that that, you know, is reciprocated through a sale. It's not always mm-hmm. done that way, but um, that's just kind of the, the mindset we have is, you know, try to bring value to to the world and um, try to, to give our customers an experience that is as low risk as possible. Um, you know, YouTube's been great because it allows us to, you know, be ourselves and show who we are and allows us um, to, to develop trust with our audience, which is one of our core values. So um, you can deliver a lot of information and, and build a lot of trust um, through sharing your own expertise uh, with, with customers and, and find like-minded people. Uh, so I do think like YouTube's been instrumental. It's been, you know, probably drives about half of our customer acquisition is uh, through through YouTube awareness. However, it, it certainly comes with its challenges. Um, you, you know, we mentioned we've been doing it 12 years. You know, that's a, a blessing and a curse in the sense that you can <laughs> kind of get pigeonholed into like a certain type of content. Mm-hmm. And then if that content, you know, I, I don't know, like the... the Again, the best analogy to make is like if you're, uh, you know, uh, your business is built around, you know, Saturn automobiles. I'm going to do a lot of car analogies. (laughs) Do it, do it. (laughs) But, you know, let's say like your your whole YouTube channel is built around Saturn and then GM decides to to shut Saturn down and they're no longer making new cars. Then like if you stay on Saturn, like eventually that... um, it's going to go down to zero as you lose all the customers in the audience. But if you make a switch to a different brand, you're going to lose everything that you've built because they came in mm-hmm. to watch like Saturn content. So like, how do you find the ability to kind of like trend and shift um, a community uh, as large as, as ours? It's really challenging. So uh, creating content that doesn't alienate or doesn't push away um, longtime subscribers, but can also still attract uh, a new audience is a, a really challenging problem. Yeah. So does the, is that, um, how, how do you, like, when you talk about bringing value to your customers, I know you have, um, like the different, like you have like the consultations that you can have with your customer or, uh, consumers can have with you all, you have like the membership as well. Are those like how you're looking at trying to bridge maybe like the gap between your like loyal, um, like subscriber base and then the new things you're doing, or how are you trying to like close that gap? Is it something you're evolving and learning every day or? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, uh, the style consultant is, um, you know, again, I've, I've got a guy here in the office who has great style and he works out of his offices in the barbershop so he sees what's going on uh in Austin I feel like it's kind of forward thinking when it comes to to style trends and, and things like that so I, I just think it's a really you know it's something we do well so why not share it with our customers and, and for people who you know need help or guidance and, and it's not really a huge burden they just shoot, shoot us a text message and send us some selfies and then you know, we give them a recommendation that they can take to their barber and then their barber will do them up right. And then they send that photo again and we're like, hell yeah, man, you nailed it. Or, you Love know, it. maybe, maybe you know, maybe this isn't the best style for you or maybe here's what went right or what went wrong. And, um, you know, like there, there is no, 
like we're not charging for that service. Uh, so there is a bit of a, a risk and an investment on our end. But uh, I do think, uh, you know, when you tell them like, hey, man, if you want to style that hair, throw some styling paste in there and some sea salt spray and here's how you do it, that people would be more receptive to, to grabbing those products. So uh, and then the alliances, again, like we've, we've developed the community of like minded people. So how do we help them, you know, connect with other people? Because you might not be able to to find those people in, in, in person. Um, so being able to create an online community and every once in a while putting on an event in person that allows them to connect in person, I think is a, um, a special thing as as a lot of people. I mean, this is a deeper conversation, but like, you know, uh, uh, the participation and religion uh, has declined over the years. And, um, you know, a big part of religion is that community. It's not just, you know, believing in the, the dogma or the lessons or whatever, but it's also being around people. So when you, you lose that religion, you, you lose that community. And, and like, how do you help people who might not have that community find theirs and, and build it together and, and, and find healthy ones? Because you can also get down you know, a negative rabbit hole of maybe not healthy communities, um, especially mm-hmm. if you feel isolated, right? So you, you don't want to come into, a, you know, like, a, what are they, like, end cells and involuntary celibates and just like, a, you know, the people who are miserable in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to create a, a more positive community that will help shape them in a, a positive outlook, I think is, you know, something that's important. So So we do it. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I think too, like I, it's kind of full circle. Cause you had said you had, you had gone to an event that you yourself like found that community. Right. So I imagine there might be a little bit of an element of like paying it forward or paying it back of like, now you are here 11 years later, um, with this success and brand and community and everything that we've discussed for the past X amount of time. Um, so I imagine that was maybe a little bit of inspiration of, I want to be part of an active force, also helping other people find that community. Yeah, I think it's just natural to who I am, you know? So it goes back to like, build a business that you enjoy. It's like, I I enjoy being around people. I enjoy community. That's how, when I started growing a beard, I went to like online beard forums and talked with other people to figure it out. And um, so, um, yeah, it's just do the, do the things that you love in life and, and life will be pretty good. Yeah. Well, I love, I love that note as much as I would love to continue asking you questions. Um, I think I'm going to leave us off there. Thank you so much for making the time, Eric. I know we were connected and I was so happy when we were, um, and this has blown my expectations out of the water. So thank you for making the time. Cool. I appreciate all that fluffery and, and compliments. I'll, I'll take them. Oh, I'm, that's long, my so. person is I, I love <laughs> to dish it out. So <laughs> I'll always take the opportunity. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Thank you.